0: how you doing everybody this is nemo midvar your host of through the tunnel today as we go through the tunnel we're going to go up north of the border talking about ontario hoops right around toronto area we got a great crew to talk about uh the the basketball scene in that region Uh, mike simonetta who's uh, currently an assistant coach at the university of windsor Um, he's also associate director of the northern kings Um, does a great job of promoting his guys uh, always active on on social media and, and via email to make sure that all of us uh, south of the border are, are up to snuff with his guys. Um, Roe Russell, pioneer of grassroots basketball in Canada, he's had over 496 Division One alums. Uh, he's also uh, you know the director of grassroots Canada and uh, Crestwood Prep. Uh, and currently, he's got one of the top players. Uh, regardless of location, Elijah Fisher in the 2023 class. And then Tony McIntyre, uh, director of CIA Bounce. He's also uh, the head coach at Orangeville Prep. Uh, had, stop me if you've ever heard of these names. Anthony Bennett, Tyler Ennis, Andrew Wiggins, Xavier Ray- Mains, uh Ken Birch. He's had some, some really talented guys come through his program. All these guys had, Toronto's a very big city. A lot of a lot of hoops to be to be delved into uh, in that region. A lot of guys that go overlooked um, don't want to be overlooked. And you should be contacting our sponsor, Doctor Dish, uh, and get yourself a, a Doctor Dish sent out to your gym today. Uh, Doctor Dish is is revolutionizing the game. Uh, make sure you follow them on Twitter at Doctor Dish Bball. Uh, you'll be able to find a lot of inspirational uh, inspiration for drills uh, different, different ways that you can utilize the machine, uh, and really take your game to the next level. Um, mention this ad from rising coaches and you'll get $300 off. If you've got another, uh, machine currently in your gym, trade that thing in, let's get you into to 2020 and beyond, um, and get you the latest and greatest with all the new uh, technology and perks that, uh, Dr. Dish has to offer. We thank them very much for sponsoring the show, and now we're going to go through the tunnel and join our guests. All right, we've gone through the tunnel north of the border, talking to my guys up here in Ontario: Tony McIntyre, Roe Russell, Mike Simonetta. Let's get right into it. Ro Canada has had a major influx of Hoopers in the Division One uh, basketball scene and NBA basketball scene. Um, however, uh, there there should be a lot more. There's 153, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was recently reported. Uh, Division one Hoopers on the men's side, um, but but you guys are a big area, and today we're specifically focusing on Ontario. Why do you
1: think uh, on Ontario is under recruited, bro? Well, I, I don't really think that it's under recruited. I just think that we need we, we we want more respect up here because like. Back in the 90s, in the early 2000s, there were times in that journey that it was very well uh, recruited up here. And I think that it's it's sort of like it needs to have a second wave in terms of, hey, like, what are you guys waiting for? Like, we're up here. You guys got to really, you know, get up here and see the talent we have. So I I just think that there's a lot of um, education that needs to happen for people to really see that you know, Toronto, Ontario, Canada is better than a lot of these major cities. Like right now, I'm pretty sure more players are going D1 from Toronto than they are from um, New York, uh, you know, in, in a particular borough or whatever. So I just think that we just need more respect and um, – and and coaches need to be more educated because you know it's 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 a a, a very abundant uh, fertile ground of players up here all over hidden gems you know you know a lot of kids go down to america for prep school and and sometimes you know that kind of you know loses things in translation
0: Mike, what what do you think? You know, and and before you go, I I do want to give some credit where credit's due. Mike, you do one of the best jobs to promote your guys sending out emails, a lot of communication, uh, a lot of film, everything that we need as college coaches to get right down to it. Um, How do you perceive uh, the recruitment's been going, and and do you agree with Roe you guys need a little bit more respect?
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, I appreciate you saying that. I would agree. You know, Canada's obviously had, especially in Toronto, there's obviously – you know, every year there's four or five, you know, high, high major guys that everyone kind of knows about. But essentially for our program, which has in traditionally, you, know, you know, a ton of mid-major kids, you know, some low major guys, it's sometimes a little harder to get the traction for those guys when, you know, people up here in Canada and us, like, we're confident. We know that those guys can play at that level and really contribute. So I think, you know, obviously the high major kids, you know, those kids are going to get noticed regardless. But, you know, I think a lot of college coaches don't take notice of those low major, mid-major kids. Until way later. And there's tons of high level scholarship level prospects that don't get noticed or signed, you know, till late in their senior year. They have to go juco and then they end up going high major out of juco. So I think, you know, low major, mid major, there's tons of kids in Canada that maybe aren't as well known as, you know, the high major five star guys that were producing every year. But those kids can really, really help every year. In there. And we have a ton of those guys, especially in Toronto. Tony, what would you like to add to that? What do you think? <clears throat>
3: I mean, I I somewhat agree. I would stay still say that we're we're under recruited um, in, in terms of um, you know talent, and I think that's you know what Rowan and Mike are saying as well. Is there's just a ton of guys that you know with the right looks and the right situation would would have a lot more opportunities. And I mean, we're one of the highest recruited cities, like Row said. I, I just honestly think that you know coaches need to spend more time up here. Obviously, during these times, it's a little bit more difficult and. Um, You know, you got to be unique with your recruiting and and you got to be unique with promoting your players right now. But, uh, you know, 153, I think, definitely could be up over 200. I think there's many little hotbeds popping up, Montreal, Toronto, uh, you know, out on the West Coast. Uh, I I think it's really growing. And and like Rose said, there's a resurgence that's needed, and and I think we're almost there. I think it's coming. Uh, I I love it. You know, if Toronto was – in the United
0: States, I do believe, uh, and I'm sure someone will tweet me and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, third largest media market uh, b- just based on population density. Um, and so, you know, that's a lot of people and a lot of people that are, you know, you know, growing into the game. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I'll start with you, Tony, and then uh, Ro and Mike, you guys can chime in. What is the, the hoop scene like? from the youth level on up because you know for me i think that's important to to get a perspective we often look at at y'all up above the border as hockey players right so what is the infrastructure built in there to to help develop the talent
3: um in the third largest market uh and and create basketball players tony um i think i think the you know the market up here is is growing i think you know, we went through some times where a lot of you know the programs were were putting their head down and, and really working individually and independently. And I think, you know, more recently there's there's a lot more collaboration going on between uh, the major programs up here in, in specifically. Um, but I think you know we're really focusing on youth development. Um, you know, the younger ages, creating you know development academies and con- creating opportunities for you know different leagues to flourish up here and and all of us to contribute and and build our programs and our infrastructure to you know support the growth at the older age which is is getting into you know the 14 15 16 17 uh ages uh, as well as most of the major a programs up here have their own prep schools now as well so the the continue continue continuation of that development continues you know year round and allows us to be in the gym with our guys, uh, you know, a lot more than we used to be. Um, but, I, but I definitely think, you know, a, a, a full gamut of uh, players from, you know, four, grade four all the way up to 17 and under uh, through to high school as well uh, is here with uh, f- huge growth. Um, and, and now that we're not all, you know, at each other's necks, I think uh, the growth's going to even be, uh, you know, quicker and, and a lot better without having to spend time on stuff that's not as important, you know, re-recruiting your own players and holding on to your players because other people are after them. I think there's a general consensus between, you know, the top programs here that we're, we're going to put our heads down and focus on our kids and not recruit each other's kids and, and, and get this thing done right up here and, and hold the basketball community accountable and together.
1: Bro, do you have anything to add? Uh, well, t- t- Tony said, you know, basically what I, I would say in regards to that, um, I-, I-, I think that, you know, there's sort of a another, another time has happened where guys get it now. You know, back in the day, we're trying to figure it out. We're fighting for players. We're trying to, you know, rise to the top, crabs in a bucket, all that stuff. But now – um, you know, um, cooler heads are prevailing in terms of guys are more wiser and smarter and, and, and get the big picture. So now we're working together. Now we're trying to do things on a more bigger scale collaboratively. And uh, we're, you know, we're now focusing on the things that need to be focused on in terms of development and um, structure and so forth. Back in the day, it was, you know, segmented high school programs with one or two good kids on each team and development wasn't there. Now you have kids going to, you know, uh, prep programs and in the basketball academies where they can actually now develop and get a lot better and now have people in charge and, and leaders that are going to figure out proper schedules, proper leagues, and, 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 uh, you know, a path to, uh, to opportunity. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've come a long way because back in the day, there was a lot of uh, beef and infighting and, competitiveness over competitiveness and all that now guys are working together like I, I I talk to Tony all the time me and Tony are like poised now I'm not saying you know me and Mike don't talk but I'm just saying like you know maybe back in the day you know it wouldn't be as much you know it was like this kid that kid that kid what you know now it's like hey let's work together man like let's let's you know put their best foot forward and now let's uh, build it even further
0: yeah. And that's, you know, obviously born by you guys all really caring about, uh, you know, not just your kids in your program, but basketball in Canada in general. You guys all have pride about that. I've spoken to you all about that um, in terms of the infrastructure within, uh, you know, the Ontario. So I, I, I don't know this because, you know, the couple of times I've I've popped up to Ontario was for like OVO Fest. So I have fun. Right. So I'm, I haven't necessarily been there to play pickup basketball and all that. Are there gyms uh, available for just kids? Uh, is it too cold to play? Like, this is a very ignorant thing because I don't know, but I think other people are probably thinking about it. Are there hockey rinks everywhere? Mike, tell us a little bit about, like, the the infrastructure that allows kids to, to get in the gym.
2: I mean, you know, I know, like, you know, Canada has, or especially trials, this kind of hockey reputation. I think, you know, before COVID, like, there's a ton, you know, I think there's pretty good access to gyms, pretty good, you know, involvement in enrollment. I think COVID has put a huge strain on that, on gyms, because, you know, most programs, um, you know, rely a lot on permits. I think in a way it's going to kind of positively change the landscape, because I know, especially from our program and other programs, we're now looking for ways to become self-sufficient and, and get private facilities and not really rely on the government or the school boards to get, you know, gym time. And obviously, Tony, you know, was a huge pioneer with that with Orangeville, which has kind of become, you know, a hub for Canadian basketball. Um, and obviously, Rosa Crest, which is another great private facility. And I think a lot of now these high-level programs are realizing, you know, we have the kids, we have the coaches. Let's start growing and building, you know, the infrastructure from a facility standpoint to get more kids in the gym, get them in the in the gym at a younger age. So I think coming out of COVID it's actually going to be kind of, you know, one of the few positive outcomes that's going to come out of this.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's good perspective. Now, tell me this: obviously, the Raptors won the the championship, uh, you know, a couple years ago, and that's going to increase basketball popularity and brand awareness. What kind of impact, uh, Tony, have you seen since then? And and when do you think maybe the tidal wave of that impact is going to really be seen within uh, basketball in Ontario?
3: Well, I think definitely, I mean, you know, it, it allowed the spotlight to shine a little bit more on basketball in Canada through that whole playoff run with the Raptors. Um, you know, I, I I see a influx in it, and when you when you even came back as as early as you know the season after they won it, um, with, with the amount of kids that are at tryouts and and the amount of opportunity there is at development program levels of kids that are first coming into the game and and just starting mm-hmm. up, I think from a development standpoint of that, I think it's a huge opportunity for growth at at, at the base of your model um, that allows you know just. Quantities of kids to get in and test the waters and see if this is something that they want to pursue and, and continue in. So I think it was almost immediate. Um, and and again, I think you know I agree with with Mike. Is is we're we're looking at areas where we could get better in terms of gyms, and I, I don't think there's enough facilities up here that facilitate what we need uh, in terms of all of our programs. But it's something where we're all talking about. You know, I think. <coughs> Be needed up here in Toronto, where you know all the AE programs kind of have their space within it and work together. You know, ten courts or, you know, just a huge tournament base, uh, and and then all, obviously having availability to courts. So I think, you know, in order to grow this game, we need to grow the coaches, we need to grow the volunteers, the people that help support this within each of our programs. Uh, but we also have to grow the availability of gyms up here to to support the number of kids we. I think we all would agree that we could put, you know, multiple, multiple teams at every age group if we weren't constrained or restricted by gym permits or city permits.
0: Ro, I know you and I have uh, spoken about that in the past because uh, Ro, Ro and I have actually gone to um, some facilities and, and, and talked about that uh, because that, that'd be something that would be, you know, really helpful. Um, I, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, this subject in the past, um, you know, maybe seven, eight to ten years ago, uh, most of the top Canadian players would, would seek out uh, schools in uh, the United States um, and, and they would come to to some of the top prep schools down here. Uh, and, you know, there's been a there's been a shift. Right. There's been a there's been a change uh, in, in some of the top ballers now staying above the border. Um, Let's let's talk a little bit about that in in terms of how you guys as, um, you know, those that help in making decisions, help guide a a young man in their family uh, in in that regard. Tony, I'll start with you and uh, uh, Mike, you can uh, follow up from there.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, for for me, it was really, really important. Uh, You know, I think going through it, I was, you know, one of the, one of the guys that was sending kids to the States all the time to, to us prep schools. And, you know, my, my own sons included. And, you know, when, when I was able to sit down and reflect on like, man, it would be nice to be able to have your kids home on the weekend. Um, you know, it'd be nice to, to give your kids some sort of continuity in terms of their own families. Uh, it, it was something that was near and dear to my heart. Cause I felt like I raised my sons over the phone and, I didn't want to have to go, you know, have other parents go through that in order to make it. So I said, you know, I really want to get into a a situation and a place where I can make that impact, give these kids a good schedule, if not the best schedule, uh, with the ability to kind of go down, jump in when the lights are on and then come back here, work on our craft. And when we're ready, go back down and jump in again. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, link up with a, with a friend of mine and, uh, really blow up this place up here, Orangeville Prep, and, and, and really, you know, get kids in here and, and invest, invest into this program um, with all the infrastructure that we need to be a major player in the U.S. prep school scene. And, and every single thing I've asked for, everything we've worked for up here, we've put in, you know, millions and millions of dollars in terms of infrastructure and dorms and facilities and, you know, employees. Uh, to make this thing work. And, and you know, I, I think we play one of the best prep school schedules in, in the nation. Um, you know, not even just in Canada, in North America, to be truthful.
0: Mike, what's your guys' perspective on this?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, especially as a young guy, like it's crazy just to see like, you know, when I was in high school, like, you know, seven, seven, eight years ago, like there was hardly any Canadian prep schools. Right. And then seeing, I think the real key, to be honest, is kind of a lot of the Pioneer's in the Canadian, you know, AAU scene, guys like Tony, guys like Roe, you know, Vital Masai who runs Northern Kings with me or, you know, uh, that I work with, Shane James, like those guys really started taking control on the scholastic side. And that's when you really started seeing the formation of elite programs. You know, obviously started with Orangeville. And then, you know, now we're all four of our AAU programs, you know, Kelly, Grassroots, Bounce, Northern Kings. We all kind of run and operate prep schools and we all play in the same league. And, you know, we're really forming, you know, we formed like this prep league where, you know, there's 20, 25, 30 Division One players in one league, right? And every game, you know, it's high-level competition. Um, you know, obviously, we're our a lot of our programs are supported by the AAU players we coach in the summer, so there's a lot of continuity, a lot of familiarity, It's it's high-level, right? And, you know, the OSBA, which is the prep league that, you know, we all play in, and then also the MPA, like, the fact that there's two kind of elite prep leagues in Canada, you know, with high, high-level talent, I think, you know, it has, is a huge development that's really only happened in the last, you know, five, six years, and I think it's been a huge um, – you know, great point for Canada. Like I tell college, co- like all the college coaches I talk to right now, I'm like, you know, in the fall, like you want to come up, you fly into, you know, into the airport. You can, you can stay for a day or two days and you can watch six or seven high level open gym, you know, fall practices and every single gym is going to have multiple division one prospects at different levels. You know, you can go up to Orangeville and they're going to have, you know, eight to 12 division one prospects to go Thorn League or Crothers. We're all going to have, you know, division one prospects playing and stuff. It's just kind of a hub from the prep school side where you can now co- coaches can come in and get their eyes on a lot of prospects.
0: So let's, let's uh, spend a little time talking about that. So if I come in, I fly into Toronto's airport, right? I know you guys got the downtown airport and the, uh, you got got multiple airports, but I come into the main airport from airport to, you know, multiple open gyms. How long is it going to take me? And is there some, you know, is there coordination amongst you guys to allow, you know, everybody to get from one spot to the next?
3: Um so I'll, I'll jump in on that in, in terms of, uh, you know, the prep school scene and, and just to put it in perspective as well, you know, in, in my conversations with division one coaches that come up here and, and get to obviously, you know, go from high school game and high to high school game. Um, the feedback that I've got is we'd be one of the the top three prep leagues in, in the U S uh, when you, when you put that in perspective. So it always really being compared to, to kind of that DMV area where you, you guys got it really popping down there and, and night in, night out, you're, you're going to compete. And and that's, that's how the OSBA is really up here. Um, night in, night out, like, like Mike said, you're going against other division one players uh, on every single team. And, uh, you know, in, in terms you fly into Toronto and, and this is kind of what we always do too. And, you know, I, I think our coaching relationships have gotten a lot better um, where it's not, Hey, fly into Toronto and only look at my guys and then, you know, get out of here before you go see someone else. And, and I think, that, honestly, that's how it was in the past. Um, but you fly into Toronto, you're 40 minutes from the airport to Orangeville. Um, you're, you're probably 35 minutes on the 407 to Bill Crothers. Um, you're, you're 30 minutes to Thorn Lee. Uh, when Vaughn was in the league, you're, you're 30 minutes from the airport. Henry Carr, you're 30 minutes from the airport. Uh, if not sooner, Henry Carr is probably a 15-minute drive, to be truthful, from, from Toronto Pearson. Uh, and then you get into... Um, the Central Tech's right downtown. That's 25, 30 minutes. Um, and then, and then you know, Row at Crestwood is, is probably about a half an hour across the 401. So within an hour radius of the airport, you're touching 80 percent of, of the the OSBA teams. And then, you know, you, TRC is, is probably about an hour 15, um, you know, and then Southwest. What does TRC stand for? If, for those that don't know... CRC is the Ride Center. It's another prep uh, program that's out of uh, Brantford, Ontario. Okay, about an hour fifteen, and then Ridley's in Saint Catharines, which is another private school that's in the league. So you know, you're within an hour and a half, you could touch anywhere you want in the OSBA, probably with the exception of Southwest, uh, which is uh, is another prep program out in London, Ontario. Uh, and you're looking from 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 Pearson, probably about hour thirty. Mike, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, right now
0: there's a college coach somewhere that's got a pen and paper and wrote all that down and is going to go back and say, "Okay, let me identify who these coaches are. Let me reach out, build a relationship. That's what I hope uh, this show helps to inspire. Um, But there's also some people that say, what the hell is OSPA? What what is NPA? Mike, what what are these leagues so that we have some some brand awareness when we talk about this stuff?
2: Yeah, so the OSBA is the Ontario Scholastic Basketball Association, and it's very centered around the GTA, Greater Toronto Area. So it's all kind of teams we play, like kind of like almost like a, a week a lot of weekday games because um, a lot of teams travel on the weekend and stuff. So it's very kind of lo- not local league, but obviously you're travel like the furthest you're going to travel, as Tony says, probably two hours southwest uh, to Southwest Academy, and I think you know <laughs> there's a lot of debate depending on who you ask. You know, people say, you know, one league's better than the other. Obviously, I think all of us are a little biased. I think, you know, the OSBA is a pretty high level of competition. And then the NPA stands for National Preparatory Association, which was founded by North Pole Hoops Scouting Service. And that one's a little more geographically. It kind of encompasses all of Canada. So there's teams from, there's a few teams from Toronto, but most of the teams are kind of from uh, outside of the GTA. So there's a team in Nova Scotia, or there's two teams in Nova Scotia, which is the East Coast. There's two teams from Montreal uh there's a team from Winnipeg, a team from Calgary. So they do more, you know, sessions where they all kind of they'll do four or five sessions in a season, kind of more like almost not an AU model, but they'll fly into a central location, play, you know, three, four games in a weekend, um, which in itself is good because it kind of becomes a little hub where college coaches can come and watch, you know, eight games over two days or one day, or whatever. Um, so yeah, both those leagues exist. They both have you know are producing a ton of talent each year. Obviously, the MPA allows teams from outside of Toronto to kind of Gives them a platform to to, to compete. And you know, we've always been. A lot of people joke around that there always needs to be kind of a a national championship game between the champion of that league and the champion of the OSBA. So hopefully we'll get that after COVID. But both leagues, I think, I think are pretty positive.
3: It was actually scheduled for last year, um, April fifteenth. Um, oh yeah, with CTA, which was, I mean, it was going to be a game with Orangeville Prep and CTA at Humber College. Um, Provided that they they were going to win the NPA, but um, the the OSBA also was founded um, to to be able to basically provide a, a a competitive environment during the week. Like Mike said, most of our games are at seven p.m., um, so that families could also watch. So back to the original reason for wanting to start, um, you know, keeping kids in Canada was also from from a parental you know, guidance and viewing is that, you know, most high school games happen, you know, between two and four when parents are at work. So we, we really wanted to make sure that it was later at, at night so that parents could be at games and families could be at games to support, you know, their sons and daughters uh, playing because we, we have a girl's side to the OSBA as well. Mm-hmm.
0: This is all really, uh, you know, interesting when you talk about this evolution, uh, you know, you play games at two and four, now it's at seven. Uh, you know, all these things that are being done uh, to to help the families and keep talent back home. I think it's uh, really insightful. Um, and speaking of families, you know, again, although Canada is our neighbor, it is a different culture. Um, describe to us, uh, Mike and Tony, I'll start with you, Mike. What what is uh, you know, a Canadian family unit looking for when when we start talking about um, colleges?
2: Um yeah I, I think in many ways, probably looking at you know the same thing most you know families are looking for. Obviously, they want a good situation for their son where you know he's gonna have a pretty a good chance to kind of keep continue to pursue his athletic and academic dreams. I think obviously a fit um in terms of having a coach who shows love in you and believing you like that's one thing we always you know tell our guys if there's a situation where the guys where you know an assistant and the head coach, like you know they really believe in you and they have a vision for you and there's a place for you to come in and contribute. and there's a plan like that that's super valuable, right? especially in this age where you know, there's a ton of transfers, ton of quick recruitments late. Um, that's something we really try to focus on. Um, and, you know, besides that, like, I think, you know, one thing I always tell college coaches is, you know, Canadian kids, like as soon as they start playing basketball, their dream is to play NCAA division one basketball. Like very few kids, you know, grow up in, in Toronto and they want to stay in Canada to play university basketball in our league up here. Like it's the kid's dream, you know, to chase that division one scholarships, you know, in, in a way, sometimes it almost becomes. You know, misguided in the sense where kids are only worried about going D1, and that's something sometimes you have to align their expectations. Um, but I think it, it's great. Like, you know, kids growing up here, they have, they really, really value the opportunity of an NCAA education, NCAA scholarship, and the ability to play at that level. Like, they grow up, you know, watching March Madness, watching, you know, different stuff on TV, and they really kind of revere that experience. Um, so that's what we kind of do, you know, try to help these guys chase their dreams and, you know, facilitate the recruitment in any way we can. Um, obviously, with COVID, you know, for, different classes in the class of 2021 right now is pretty challenging you know especially with the rules the NCAA is putting in with the extra year of eligibility and the one-time transfer rule so it should make it interesting for sure and challenging in, in a new way but that's kind of the way we try to go about it.
3: Tony what, what do you think? Um, I, I always say this Canadian kids are loyal Canadian kids are, are you know uh, their family values and it's not, the, not nothing against American kids but you know, for for a Canadian kid like Mike said, growing up with their dream of playing in the NCAA, um, you know, they really they really look at the guys that were recruiting them first, guys that were in and guys that are, are in it for the long term, not not necessarily just the guys that jump in it at the end. Um, you know, I think where where our maturity has come within all of our programs is is like Mike said, finding the exact perfect fit and, and sometimes you know, it's an art and, and other times it, it, it's a coincidence that it happens to work. And then, you know, I know we put a ton of work in on synergy and fit and coaching style. And, you know, we will have our firm, film editor, you know, cut and record every single time out to see what the interaction with the coaches are like um, between the coaches and the players. And, and you know, try to match up our, our personality of our players with what they like in a coach. And, and that's a lot. A lot goes into the decision making process now because, I mean, for me, I've been doing it for a little while, and, and the kids that are successful are the ones that get it right right away and, and don't have to go through the transfer portal and don't have to, you know, the path of least resistance, so to speak, uh, gets the job done a lot quicker, and, and guys that are comfortable can spend four years there, and the guys that pick the right one and can go in and be themselves without having to change are the ones that y- you end up watching and paying to watch on TV.
0: That's, that's really, really good perspective. Loyalty recruit them early. Don't be that, like Mike said, the quick recruitment, you show up at the very last minute. Um, and that's gotta be frustrating. What are other things that have been frustrating for you guys as, uh, Canadian coaches? Uh, Tony, I'll start with you.
3: Um, I think other than the stuff that we really talked about, I think one of of the things that is frustrating for us is, um, you know, people's perspective of Canadian players. I mean, you get the, like Mike and Ro said earlier, you know, you get the four or five high, high major guys in Canada every year that everybody knows. Um, but you get a lot of division one schools that want to sneak in there and, you know, try to get a high major guy at a, at a low division one school and, and they won't look at anybody else other than that high major guy, but they're, they're passing on guys that would be, Impactful, potentially best players on their team, all conference type of guys. So, you know, my, my biggest frustrations always been from, from the mid major to, 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 you know, low, low division one schools of coming in and getting guys that can play at their level and, and be great four year players, not not guys that are going to go in and destroy the conference and want to transfer. I don't think that's impactful or, or beneficial for either party at that point. Um, you know, so I think that's been my biggest frustration is guys that we all know can play Division One and and guys that we're saying, hey, this guy would help your team because we know how much work we put into studying other people's teams and fits uh, and just getting those coaches to believe that those players are going to go in and, and make a huge impact on their program. Mike,
0: what about you? What's your perspective on that?
2: Yeah, I actually completely agree. Like, I think, you know, I, I, everyone's going to know those elite, elite guys, but I think, you know, Canada could can be a huge, huge goldmine for mid-major, low-major coaches, especially like some of the, even some low-major programs that probably don't have the familiarity. Like, if you really take some time and invest and connect with a few key people, it could be like a massive, massive goldmine with you know players that can really, really help your program that are probably under the radar. Um, and you know, I, and anyone who knows can really know that those guys can contribute, right? So I think you know, mid-major, low-major schools—they hardly ever really dive in. You know, offer, recruit, under you know, juniors or, or sophomores or whatever, or even seniors until super, super late. Like you'll almost never ever see a, a, a senior sign before the late signing period with like a low-major, mid-major school, because normally they just kind of hop in pretty late, right? Whereas I think if some if a, you know schools start really diving in early, um, you know, do the research, connect with the right people, come up here, visit. Um, you know you can end up not stealing a kid but you can get kids who are really really good um you know and can really help your program like who become you know four-year program guys all conference guys eventually who can help you know win your conference in a one bid league type of like stuff like that
3: okay uh, you ahead. know i'm gonna add one more thing because the line i hate as as a as a high school coach and and as a thing is um yeah i hear you coach but who else is recruiting them like yeah. man if you're not going to put the time in and and you don't want to you know put your neck out there and you're worried, you know, we're not going to give you guys, you know, kids that are going to come, you know, be terrible on your program and, and bring it down. So it's like, if you're waiting for a kid, and that's where that loyalty comment that I made came in was, you know, if you're not willing to come in and try to get them early and wait for everybody else to offer for you to offer, you're late. And, you know, these kids understand this now and they see this like, Hey, that coach didn't offer cause I didn't have an offer. And now I got three offers. He's, he's calling me every single day now. Um, so my, my advice is like, man, trust your eyes, understand what your head coach or, or if you are the head coach, understand what you're looking for and, and come get it. Cause they're here. And if
0: we do trust our eyes and we are loyal and we're early, do you think Canadian kids would be more apt for an early commitment? Because maybe they don't necessarily get early
3: recruitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, look, you, you do you, Mike, you agree. I mean, you look at the landscape of basketball up here. Our seniors are signing as late seniors and and some of them should be signing earlier and locking it in and 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 getting it done. But their recruitment just really seems to pick up really near the end. And and, you know, it's it's unfortunate because I think some schools could can literally steal some guys just by being committed and, and in there early. You guys heard it here first. Y'all go ahead and sleep on these kids. I'll sleep. I'll sneak up to
0: Canada and get you guys committed early. Um, so there's guys listening that say, okay, this all sounds great. I can get an early commitment. I can get an impact guy. I can, but I have, n- I've never did any sort of Ontario recruiting, Toronto recruiting. Uh, Mike, st- start building it out. Tony, you could chime in after. Where do I start and how do I start? And who do I start with?
2: I mean, to me, like you, I think, I think as we mentioned earlier, like it's kind of aligns nicely because most of the big AAU, you know, head honchos or whatever directors are also directors of prep school. So guys like Tony, guys like Ro, guys like Vidal Messiah, Shane James, like you could connect with those guys and all of a sudden have access to a whole pool of, you know, the, the elite prep school talent, the elite AAU talent. And, you know, there's a group of, you know, there's people in the know who know stuff, who have connections who can really put, and as we were saying before, it's a collaborative effort, right? Like, you know, a coach may say, look, I need a, you know, I need a format in class twenty twenty one. I say, okay, well, we don't. You know, our guy signed right here. We don't really have a guy, but you know, there's a dude up in Orangeville who you know can stretch the floor. He's a pick and pop guy. You gotta go see him, and I'll send you Tony's contact or whatever. I'll send you the same, vice versa, right? Like it's pretty collaborative like that. Like no one's really, you know, gatekeeping information up here to to prevent kids, especially because at the end of the day, you all want to help these kids out. So I think you know that's key. You can hit up, you know, the AU directors, the prep school guys. um, you know, guys like us, are, and, we're, and we're eager, we're, we're, we're eager to share information and, and you know, put our guys' names out there, put other guys' names out there. You know, most of us have seen, have seen everyone because, you know, we're playing the same prep leagues, we're playing against each other in AAU, we're following each other on the road at different events. So I think that's really a way to start. And then obviously, you know, the great stuff about OSBA and the MPA is that every almost every single game is live stream, right? So coaches can access that kind of database of games, they can watch games, you know, especially in today's kind of media culture, there's tons of highlight films, tons of stuff. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I I was just speaking with a coach yesterday who was like, can you send me like five guys in class of 2022? And I sent him like five names and, you know, some of them weren't from our program, but I just, you know, sent him some film and stuff and he's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to, you know, dive into these guys. Right. So the information is there and people are willing to share it, you know, pretty happily and pretty eagerly. So I think, you know, it kind of just takes a little bit of research and there's also, you know, some, some good scouting services that have popped up, you know, guys like Wes Brown, who's, who's done really good, who's kind of always in the gym, you know, on point basketball. Julie Banks and obviously the North Pole Hoops brothers been around for a while now. So you know that that as much as the Canadian game is growing, also the, the coaching community, the media community, the scouting community is also kind of growing um, as well. Man, that that's really big info. Uh, the live streams,
3: I've seen some YouTube, right? Is is it all on YouTube? Yep, YouTube's yep. pretty free. Last I checked, yeah, it's all free. Uh, I think I think the the interesting thing about our league is is we play FIBA rules. Um, So when you look at our three point line, when, you know, you're looking for a shooter, you're a division one school looking for a shooter. Like I don't think a lot of people take in what the rules are up here in Canada and and how that's going to impact or um, transition into division one college basketball is, you know, we, we play with the FIBA three further out than, than, than college three. We play, you know, four, 10 minute quarters, 40 minutes. Transfer is really nice. We, you know, we play with the FIBA rules. Um, So there's a lot of, you know, your execution on timeouts and and advancing the ball. And, you know, typically, I think our our players are more built and ready uh, when they get to college coming out of these leagues up here playing with these rules as well. So it's not like you're getting a high school player playing 32 minutes and then he has to adapt to a 40 minute game shooting with a high school three and then he's got to adapt to a college three. You're getting guys that have been playing essentially college rules uh, from the get go. Um, All the games are live on live stream. And but one of, one of the things you know, I, I, I've been really big with, with my program is I'm hiring young guys to come in and coach because I want guys that are hungry and Division One guys that, that want to go and coach Division One later because I think one of the things that's going to hamper or hinder our infrastructure here in Canada is the availability of high-level coaches um, because everyone wants to be a skills trainer now and no one wants to be a coach. And, uh, you know, I really want to develop as much as I want to develop college basketball players. I want to develop college basketball coaches and, and guys that help build this game, recruit this game. And I want to have a tree of coaches that come back and, and, and get our players. And, and that's really where, you know, we, we got some great coaches in the OSBA that, that, you know, deserve a shot. And we got some young upcoming guys. You know, I moved two of my coaches on this year one to Michigan state and, and the other one went to Arizona compass. Um, you know, so for me, it's, it's about building everything in this infrastructure um, and my it on the head, you, you call me and ask me about a player. It's, it's not just going to be a, a bounce Orangeville prep player. It's, it's what are you looking for? And let's find you a good fit because we want to see all these Canadian kids prosper and, and, and get looks. And, and, and that's been huge. I call via, I call Roe. They call me like, hey, who are you talking to? Listen, I'm, I'm really trying to help this kid. Hey, I, you know, they just asked me about a kid like that yesterday. All right, cool. Let's connect it. And we're all working together to help help the Canadian kids and the Canadian product, product up here.
0: I think too often uh, American coaches discredit the quality of coaching that, that comes in in an international scope, not just in Canada, but just uh, all over the world. Um, you know, the, the game is caught up to us uh, here in the States. And, you know, it should be recognized. You mentioned earlier, Tony, you you got synergy. You got guys cutting the film up. That means that's also some some film being reviewed. That's what we do in college. So that's that's all part of, you know, the game. I I recall one summer I I chased around Canada Elite and uh, Coach uh, Zellmier, who was uh, who's also the coach at Kings Christian. I know he does uh, girls now, but he was as good of a coach. Um, as as I've seen on the circuit anywhere, he was, I mean he had his guys ready to play each game, had a plan, changed ball screen coverages. You know the communication was on point. Uh, that's what I think also helps translate when when guys are using their their cerebral uh, skills, um, and that's really huge. Now we, we we talked a lot about you know guys from you know Division One levels, and we can get maybe get majors and impacts in that regard. What about some of the, some other levels? Division two, Division three, uh, JUCO, and then obviously you guys have got a university system in Canada. Uh, touch it a little bit of, upon that, uh, and, and give us some perspective on players for those levels.
2: Michael, start. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, I think you know, obviously there's a huge focus amongst the you know youth in the community. that kind of really fixate on that kind of chasing that Division one scholarship. You know, the Canadian University of is like where I'm at At grad school. I actually help coach with the team at the University of Windsor. You know, it's growing. It's growing at the same rate. Probably doesn't get the media attention and, you know, the scouting co- and the coverage and the, you know, the TV attention that it probably deserves. But it's a high level. Right. So there's most kids when it comes down to it, if they're examining, you know, OK, maybe a D1 option is not going to work. You know, in most cases, you know, Canadian University in the league that we have, especially in Ontario, is in most in most cases going to be the best next option. You know, there's schools in that league, like a Carlton, or Ryerson, University of Ottawa, that you know, could compete at a mid-major level pretty easily. And they have a lot, a lot of talent. And there's a lot of pros being produced, you know, heading overseas, um, you know, every year out of the Canadian University League. So that, that's that's a big option for a lot of kids. And, and, you know, Canadian coaches have really grown in terms of the time they're spending recruiting. Canadian University coaches, you know, they really spend more time in the gym recruiting, building those relationships, getting out to prep school games, getting out to AAU stuff. Um, so yeah I mean for a D2 like you know from our AU program we sent a kid to a D2 school this year in Kansas it kind of comes down to fit right you know if a school can offer a full ride which in Canada some schools can't uh, it's more kind of partial scholarships and academic bursaries and stuff like that so I think for you know D2 it's it's fit right like I had a guy who I play with who ends up going to a great D2 school in Massachusetts Bentley scored 2,000 points and now he's playing pro right so it, it all comes down to fit um, I think the JUCO, the JUCO thing in Canada is very hot like a lot of kids you know, when they're a high school senior, kind of like we said, you know, they're a real good player. They, they believe they can play at the v- division one level, but it doesn't come, you know, come together for them. There's a lot of qualifiers and guys like that who opt for that Juco route just to kind of continue chasing that, you know, that path towards division one. Cause obviously once you, you know, once you commit to a Canadian university school or in most cases a division two school, that kind of, you know, that's kind of your, your landing spot. Hopefully you're not, there's really not too much of a chance going D once. So there's a ton of ju- kids who go Juco every year with kind of, you know, the assumption or the, or the hope that it'll parlay into a division one scholarship, you know, in one or two years. Um, and that's kind of, you know, a kind of a trend in the community, I would say, where you know, for Juco coaches like can's a huge hotbed for them as well.
0: That's 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 great. And I would I would definitely tell Juco guys, man, get up there, get you get you one or two. Um, obviously. You you know if you're a JUCO coach or Division two, your budget's a little different, so you may not be able to unless you're driving distance to get to Canada in person. Division one coaches, you, the expectation is we need to build genuine relationships and and get on a plane, get in our cars, and and actually get there in, in, in person. It's not like they have the Atlantic Ocean separating us, uh, but for the you know the JUCO guys out there uh, who, who probably can't you guys obviously understand that and you guys have got just unbelievable infrastructure for promotion via film. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Mike, you do a great job, Tony, your guys do a great job as well. Roe and his, his crew and, um, you know, Shane James and the Canada elite guys, they just do such a good job of promoting Ontario kids that we, you can find all that information sitting right here. So like obviously right now through COVID, uh, no one's going into anybody's gym the, the the playing field should be leveled a little bit and we should be uh, putting some more eyeballs onto Ontario. Um, now we're going to go into our final segment here. This has been a really good conversation. This is the fast break segment. I like to really get excited as I get my banner across the bottom line, high tech right here. We're going to get right into it. Um, the, the rules are simple. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Can't repeat somebody else's answer. Unfortunately, uh, through technical difficulties, you, you may have noticed. Roe Russell is, is is dropped from the conversation, but the conversation still prevailed. Mike, I'm going to start with you,
2: best Canadian Hooper of all time. I mean, I, I got to go with Steve Nash. I think anyone anyone who knows kind of knows you know what he's he answered. That was easy, Tony.
3: What do you got? Um, of all time after Steve Nash, I'm going to go. Shoot. Uh, I'm going to start with like a new a, a new guy, Jamal Murray. Orangeville, um,
0: pretty damn good. Shout out to Orangeville. Shout out to the Nuggets. Um, best Canadian Hooper in college basketball today, Tony. I'm going to start with
3: you. Um, I, I'm I'm hugely biased, but it, it it's really going to be between, uh, in my opinion, Matthew Alexander Moncrief and and Marcus Carr. Mike.
2: I'm, I'm gonna go with Northern Kings alum Marcus Carr, Minnesota University, of Minnesota. Yeah. Even Tony, go, you didn't give two answers, you can't use his answer. You gotta give right, another. Day. Go, my bad, Mike. So I'll, go, I'll go. I'll go another Orangeville alum who I think is gonna have a huge year at Oregon. Eugene Omarui. Yeah. Uh, transfer from Rutgers. I, I think he's gonna have a big year at Oregon. He's just and, on the watch list. He, he he's the real deal. Yeah. He is
0: the real deal. I would I would attest to that. I'm gonna uh, break my own rules. Give me another name, <laughs> Mike. Another one. Yeah, another one.
2: Uh, let's see. I'm. I'm gonna go with um, a bit impact freshman who I think is gonna shock a lot of people at Purdue. Zach Eddy. Another. I'm, I'm biased. Big, Kings, guys. They do they a good team. job with big fellows. That's yep. a good fit. Pretty yeah.
0: smart yeah. Kings to send him down there to West Lafayette. What do you think, Tony? Another uh, I'm,
3: one. I'm. I'm gonna go with. uh Shoot, another impactful one. I, I, I'm going to have to say, I think he's still at Marquette, but uh, Colby McEwen. These are, these are all, here's the
0: thing. All of those names you guys mentioned, high level kids, high level programs. Um, and, you know, th- their recruitments were you know, depending on what stage you kind of got into it, they didn't necessarily take off until really at the end. Right. So all these guys, if, if you're a mid-major coach, um have you really came in and sucked your teeth in on Zach Eddy? Now, you know, might might have been a little tough Purdue because they do a really good job with seven foot plus guys. But uh, you know, you you might have had a chance with that that big fella. Um best Canadian beer,
3: Tony. I'm just gonna go with the obvious one, Molson Canadian. Yeah. Mike, I'll go with uh
0: Labat
2: Blue is that is that Canadian beer? Right?
0: That's, that's Canadian. Yeah. In, in honor of this episode, I'll have one of each for for you gentlemen uh, tonight. Uh, poutine. Do you, do you, do you like it or no? Yes. 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 For those that don't know, poutine's dope. It's uh, French fries with gravy. It's 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 fire. Um, gravy, and melted cheese. Oh man, don't get no better. Don't get no better. This, this show will air on or around Thanksgiving time. So that'll be, that'll be something that uh some folks could, could let their minds wander. Uh, Which college assistant coach does the best job recruiting Ontario? Oh, shoot. Okay. Who's going me or Mike? I'm going to go. We're going to go double up here since Rose dropped out here. I want to hear uh, I want to hear you first. Mike, you're going to give me two names and then Tony, you're going to uh, finish it up. Snake draft. All
3: right. Um, I'm going to ha- I'm going to have to say and, and you know, I, I got family that are assistant coaches. So I, I, I'm going to say Mike Minniga does a great job at Oregon. He, he He's 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 stolen a lot of guys out of Canada and they went to the final four with a lot of them. Pretty good. Final four. Last
0: I checked. That's pretty good. What do you think, yeah. Mike?
2: I mean, I would say Jamie McNeely at Virginia Tech and then Texas a and M done a really, really good job getting a ton of good players. Um, you know, Alexander Walker, obviously Cash McNeely, Emmanuel Miller, ton of guy, even going back at Virginia Tech. And then I'll give one of the Ivy League, Brian Eskelden at Harvard, done a really, really good job, got a ton of Canadians. Um, and then another show, Mark with DePaul is is pretty he's on point, like he knows all his guys and he's always hitting me up. He's on it, he's all, all those guys are on
0: it, and and yeah. The kid uh, that they got down at Harvard, I thought, yeah, the, the, uh, Luca, right? He, he, um, oh, I, I think he'd be a top 50 kid if he was in the United States and, and more people got to see him. Obviously, he, he's going to develop and play and get roll into his game, and he's had a hell of a program. But I mean, that summer that I was alluding to watching Canada Elite, I was like, this son of a gun, man, he could play. He could absolutely play. Uh, what about uh, this, uh, Tony? I'll start with you and then then go to Mike. What college, what university does the best job recruiting Canada? Um,
3: mine's going to come down to, as of late, the two that I think do a best job with us. I know I'm only supposed to give one, but Seton Hall does a great job with us personally. Um, my wife's cousin's a co-chair of 40. Um, so there, there's that connection there. And then I would say Oklahoma State's done an amazing job. Uh, when they started recruiting uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief and now are, are recruiting our, uh, our point guards up here, um, Jeff. That's awesome. What,
0: what about you, Mike? What do you think he does a really good job?
2: I mean, obviously, all the guys, we, all the schools, that the guys we mentioned, I'll throw a fresh run, I think Santa Clara on the West Coast done a really good job, really, really good job. Got a couple good guys. Like, they got a kid from Canterbury who ended up being all-conference, big, talk. kid was kind of under the radar, Joseph Rankic. Uh, they signed a kid from at West, Jacob Holt, who I think is going to be the real, real deal. I was trying to come out to prep school out here. So they've they done a really good job and got a lot of good
3: Canadians. Obviously, dating back all the way to Steve Nash. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to they do They do a great job. I, I just meeting yeah. with them, and they do a bang-up job, one of the best I've seen.
0: Yeah, Tell me this. I'll start with you, Mike. Give me a name of a, a coach, a program in Canada that doesn't get the respect they deserve. Give give them a little little star of approval. Uh, are you th- you talking prep school? Or are you talking uh, a anybody? Early? Very open ended. Somebody because again, somebody's got their pen and paper. They're writing down notes from this episode, trying to gather information. Who's another <laughs> name that that they should gather some information on? I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, fast we, we n- We're not Walking the ball up now, Mike. We're
2: fast breaking. Okay. Uh, I- I say, I say, you know, Kevin. Kevin Jeffers, I have a lot of respect for him at Central Tech. Like his kids always play hard. You teach them to play the right way, and he's just—he's a good guy, a good mentor. And his kids, like if you want kids who play hard and they're dogs, like that's where you find those kids, downtown Toronto, while grit. That's exactly
0: what I was looking for. You gave me a great description, Tony. What do you think?
3: Um, I'm I'm gonna say, you know, in that same realm, a um, guy that's done an outstanding job developing youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and running a great program. I know he's not in the OSBA anymore, but Gus Janopoulos that, that worked out of Vaughn at Vaughn secondary was Andrew Wiggins, high school coach um and, and many, many others. Denzel Walker um, just you, you name it. There's, there's been a lot of division one guys that, that came out of there. um You know, he does, he does a really good job and, and then, you know, obviously all the, the AAU guys that are coaching prep school up here do a bang-up job as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a really great conversation, really impactful, educational, as we've gone through the tunnel and, and gone all the way up north, talk about Ontario hoops. We'll do another episode with other parts of Canada because, again, there's there's a lot of hoops that need to be uncovered once we go through the tunnel. I want to thank Tony. I want to thank Mike. I want to thank Ro, uh, Russell as well. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, tweet at us, uh, tag us, uh, make sure you like, and subscribe to, to this podcast on rising coaches. Again, thanks again to, um, our sponsor, Dr. Dish, by the way, if anybody else wants to sponsor, I got a blank spot right here. You can put a sponsor right on top of my hat. Um, but we really want to thank these guys for, for talking. And, And again, the conversation is going to continue. If you want to get in touch with any of these guys, Uh, Just tweet at me. Let me know. We'll get you their information and build those connections. Uh, And then we'll go from there. We are out of here.